All right. Welcome to another episode of FYI, I Am Damaged. We're here with Sochi. <laughs> Sochi, Hi. Uh, She is an entrepreneur, activist, project manager, and a very dear friend of the family. And I am so glad that you're here to, you know, come with me on this journey and share with us and ultimately help everybody out there and as many as we can. So how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm honored to have been invited. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that if there is any opportunity that we can take to um, shine light on anyone else's um, journey, we should definitely take advantage. No, that's great. Um, honor's all mine. And, you know, we'll, uh, we'll try and get through this best as possible. That's right. <laughs> you know I'm ready. <laughs> that's great. And all right. So I've known you for years. I've known you as a woman with a force behind your eyes and with a big heart and with no lock on your tongue and emotions. <laughs> I consider you a great friend to my wife, who is also my producer and I. Being how I see things and people, I know that type of strength can come from many places. In general, where does your uh, strength come from? Well, I would say in general, um, my strength comes from struggle. Mm. Like um, none of the things that I have accomplished have been um, easy. So, um, you know, I come from a, a family of, you know, not almost no resources in the Dominican Republic. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Puerto Rico. Um, my mom was a single mom with, you know, just wanting to bring her kids, you know, give her kids an opportunity to have a better life. So everything I've seen from the time that I was a child was, um, you know, a woman pushing forward um and working hard to get hers so this is like one thing that you'll always notice in anything i do i'm like let's uh, go <laughs> absolutely absolutely you do have a drive behind you and i appreciate that i love being around that and you know we owe everybody always feeds off of each other so if we feed good we be good you know so that's 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 why i love that's why i love that you know we've we're around each other now, getting to your episode, getting to your, you know, our discussion, and I discovered we have uh, past sexual traumas in our life. What age were you and how, if at all, did you make sense of it at your age? If you didn't, when did you stop reliving it and you start to pick it apart to make sense of it? Well, um... When did I, well, I kind of stopped reliving it at the point where I decided, you know, I, I have to go tell the authorities that this is happening right. because there's a period of, of time when you kind of question, you know, should I talk about this? Should I blow this out of the water? Right. Um, and how many people will this affect? So, you know, I kept worrying about everyone else's outcome and not worrying about how much this was hurting me. So at such a young age, this was worrying you. And again, what I think you said, 14? Um, well, for, I was uh, actually 12. 12, okay. 
So during that time, I was kind of trying to come up with a strategy mm -hmm. to become free of the abuse, but also not to affect anybody else's life. Like I, I didn't want to disrupt my brothers, my siblings, um, you know, their lifestyle and, you know, my mom's relationship with this person. Right. So, you know, that's something that I, I've always put everybody else's feelings first. And right. even in, in this particular scenario, I did. So it took me a little while to kind of gather myself and, and, and put together a plan to escape the situation. Right. It's for in general because people think in people think in the terms of there now, and not thinking that okay, oh, what I would have did. Yeah, you're talking about the mind state of a twelve year old in the past that they were living in that doesn't have this type of culture anymore. Of you know, you know, you need to speak up. This isn't this isn't something that is a a mark on you. And would be negative in a sense, because that's how the culture, you don't talk about it. You don't mm -hmm. discuss this. It's, you know. It's hush hush, especially um, coming from a Dominican upbringing. I mean, I'm sure um, being with RG, you're familiar mm -hmm. with the, the type of stuff that they, they want to sweep under the rug. Right. Um, and it is not, it was not easy back then to say, you know, so-and-so touched me or, you know, this happened. It was something that was even mothers, grandmothers, they would think that this was embarrassing to the family. Or would they so, even believe you? Exactly my point. So, and, and, and seeing how other girls that were victims of, of similar attacks couldn't say anything because they were not believed. So that was a risk that I had, that I always thought of like, wow, you know, it is very possible that perhaps my mother or even my siblings will, will not believe me. So I made sure the day that I planned to escape mm. that I had evidence. Okay. Well, that's, we'll, we'll definitely explore that. Um, if not, Again, we you, you you know the essence of what we're trying to do, and mainly focus on the strengths. Focus on what you pulled from it, and what made you stronger to be the woman you are now. So Absolutely. whether we get to that or not, you know that's okay. If we don't, you know, because I know how it really is, and I'm sure you do. Sometimes you can't shake it. Sometimes the thought of it. It's an everyday thing to me. I, to me, I can relate that it was a daily thing and it affects you to the point where emotionally, physically, um, the anger, the sadness and every, all the, all the emotions. And, but that, that I feel that that's always the base of somebody's strength, because if somebody has their, their, they're a part of a person on a potatoes, the onions, this, that, meat, or whatever, and you come up with something different. I think that same thing with your emotions. It just all ends up in a, a strength that you can just feed off of and make yourself stronger down the line. And that's hopefully people can realize that they can do that. But even though if they live in the, the, the anger of the day, 
the sadness of the day. It's you can move past that. So, okay. Well, being that this was like, a, you know, once I decided to pretty much blow the whistle, mm -hmm. there's there's a whole process that goes on with, um, you know, being placed in a group home. Um, then there's um, police involved. There's in investigators that are asking a lot of questions, a lot of times the same questions. There's things that are turned into evidence. And all of that process was very painful. But I also like didn't mind doing it because ultimately I was getting justice. And that's interesting because what I'm curious about, because people, their only experience with, let's say the justice system, or at least from the police standpoint, then it flips into maybe the legal standpoint. Within that, inception of when it was reported and just your feeling on it which is what i want to focus on is did at all because people would think oh with american justice and in the united states and then oh it can't be as better as it is overseas like how how was it how was the process did you feel protected did you feel uh that the victim was being taken care of or were you being blamed Expand on that so that people could understand of how someone going through this in another country that they don't think is up to par with, uh, let's say, the United States and have no idea what the, 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 the system is over there. Well, basically, back in those days, um, it was very different. Mm -hmm. um, I did feel protected by the the justice system like they would be very vocal about you know we are here if you need us etc um they placed me in different group homes i wasn't a child that was used to um anything inconsistent mm -hmm. so the fact that they would put me in in one house right now and then a couple of days later they're like no um you know the the oppressor uh, found out where you are. So we need to move you. Mm. Um, so that was happening for a while, but I mean, as far as the justice system could do at that time, I don't have any complaints. Um, it was just to me going through this change because now I don't have a mom. I cannot talk to my mother. Mm. I cannot talk to my siblings. I cannot talk to anyone that had anything to do with what my normal life was like. Mm -hmm. So here I am involved in a system where this system is designed to protect me, but I can't trust anybody. Very true. So um, at this point I'm talking, I'm 13 going on 14. And um, I had to kind of like learn how to stand on my own two feet mm -hmm. at that age. Like, okay, what what is this about, you know, what are my responsibilities? And most of all, I've always known that in order for me to survive anywhere, I have to work. So I was like worried that I wasn't able to make money. I'm, I'm like 13, 14, worried about how I'm going to support myself. Mm. Um, so it was something that was, I was like slowly digesting the fact that I'm now an adult. Mm. Okay. Because of That's what happened. Self-realization. Uh, yeah. Hit you. Like we're not even... The, the trauma from being sexually abused, it's not even kicking in at this point. What I'm worried about is, okay, I'm on my own right now. So I have to live with complete strangers. Mm -hmm. I have to continue to go to school. I have to become, 
I cannot be a part of, um, I don't want to be like a part of the statistics of like, right. you know, I don't want to be a victim. Mm -hmm. So whenever they would try to, um, like the social workers and everything, they would try to put me in therapy and, and therapy, you know, I give credit to those who have benefited from it. But to me, it was like, you're re you reminded me and questioning me about something that hurt me a lot. At that time. At that time. Okay. Yes. Like, I, I don't really want to talk about this right now right. because I would end up crying and being sad. And if you know me, I'm not a sad person. Like, I don't let even when I'm going through some difficult situations, I don't let that kind of like live within me for too long. Right. So at that point, you know fast forward to the the process being over the judicial process being over mm. um and i find myself in new york with my beloved baby daddy <laughs> <laughs> well let, let's not go too let's not go too fast because we'll definitely right. get that we'll definitely get that we'll, yes it's uh, just so much <laughs> i want to make sure i don't forget absolutely but we'll 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 take it as it goes and we'll revisit and you you're you're doing amazing so what kept you going when as with most of us, when we get to a certain age, we may consider drastic options. As I said before, mm. a permanent solution to a temporary problem. You know, and if somebody hasn't heard that before, that means suicide. Now, have you ever considered it? I actually, there was a point where, um, and I do have the evidence on my arms. Um, faith and music always kind of like kept me alive mm. and um there were times where i was like god you know why would you allow this to happen um to me like i'm one of the good ones right. yeah <laughs> so um that did go through my mind but that went through my mind before i blew the whistle because it was the frustration of not being able to say anything and so I tried to slash, you know, my wrist, but I did it the wrong way. I found out later that it's not that way; it's this way. Well, let's not, so, let's not give people. Well, I don't want to give. Yeah, I don't want to give anybody instructions. Just but, don't do um, it at all. Yeah. But it's something that um, I think all of us, in 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 our weakness, in our moment of weakness, right. we we think about it. And thank God, I always had, um, like I said, music and a Bible. And I don't want to get too like religious into it, but wherever you open up, wherever you open up the Bible, it could mm -hmm. be the book of Psalms or whatever. There's going to be something that's going to speak to you. And mm -hmm. me being in a group home um, without anyone, without any family, without anyone that was familiar, right. that even knew who I was, I had this Bible tell me, you know, God loved you so much that he gave his son for you. So, yeah. and at that point I didn't really understand, um, yeah. you know, the, the, the really the, like the in-depth meaning of it. Right. But I was like, so why would I attempt against my own life if God loved me this much? And so I just need to continue to move forward. And like I said, being a musician and loving music, that was also something that, you know, through lyrics, there's certain lyrics that I would hear and I was like, wow. So you're fortunate enough to have an outlet to basically, what's the word? De decompress. Absolutely. That's, 
Uh, all right. Well, I think we touched on it, whether, you know, when it was discovered and you're ready. To... So when it happened, I know you said you were removed into the group home. Um, was, even though you were removed from those you loved, did you still feel you were supported and believed? I did not feel like I was believed. Okay. And, so and you were and supported, but you don't think you were believed, or you I was I was supported by the system that was taking care of a minor. That family wise. No, not no. Okay. I because I couldn't speak to my family. Okay. Once I spoke to the cops, I couldn't talk to my mother, my or my siblings. So at this point, um, I couldn't figure out if my mother was on my side or she wasn't. Um. No, no visitation or anything. Nothing, no contact, because this person was living in my house. For that reason only. So, because he was living with my mom, mm -hmm. married to my mom, mm -hmm. and my siblings were there, I couldn't. It would have been too much of a disruption to take him out the picture. Okay. To have my mom, like I couldn't even have visitation with my mother. And again, it's it's a different time. Yeah. So uh, some people who are listening to this, they couldn't really reconcile something like that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They were like, you know, it's a conflict of interest for you to see your mom, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I knew because of the financial, you know, involvement of this person in supporting my, my family, that that was probably going to have more weight than... Right. Any situation that might have, you know, risen because of me. Oh, definitely. I, I think a lot of people who are going through that, it's they, it, it kind of disturbs me that they have to let it slide because they feel as if their support system monetarily would crumble. Right. And it's, it's sad that some people feel that they're in that position and there are ways Okay, um, but not going too deep into that uh, rabbit hole. So, um, what or who? I know you said the the music, but in the beginning of this, was is there anybody who gave you strength? Was there anything in particular before you discovered your music and um, God that, and other than yourself, helped gave you the strength to walk this path? Gave me the strength to walk away from no, that? No, to, to, you're basically at that age starting your path in life, walking it, dealing with what you're dealing with and whatever comes after it, whatever comes from it. Is there anybody, let's say, within the support system for the, the, the courts or, or what have you when you were removed, is there anybody who was a, a guide to you basically or just helped you or just maybe did what they could because i'm sure there was a lot of people a lot of kids going through that so is there anybody that kind of stood out to say you know look you know maybe gave you advice or whatever does anybody stand out to help you almost in the hand holding or whatever they see a kid or it was just basically your own two feet I, I pretty much, I mean, there were people that could have been um, 
It was so long ago. That could have no, that could have been that person mm-hmm. to me, but I came off and and I'm telling you, it's like a God-given talent. Mm-hmm. I came off as being so put together. Right. And it didn't matter if I was crumbling inside. Whenever I came to one of these group homes, I would be like, I'm okay. I'm I can cook my own food. I can do like they they never felt like they needed to give me extra babysitting. And what about any like additional um the the other kids in there? Did, did everybody kept themselves? Did you make friends? I did or? make a good friend. Um in this in this um group home that i was placed in carolina um her name was vanessa she actually um ended up dying being a victim of domestic violence mm-hmm. like years down the line and when i do the domestic violence march i do it for her um so she kind of became my buddy and you know she was a little younger than me, but she was like, oh, you know, I can't believe you went through all of this. You know, I'm so proud of you. You're so smart and this and that. Um, so we always stayed friends. Even when I left Puerto Rico, we stayed friends. We used to back then write letters to each other. There was no such thing as te- text messaging or Instagram or anything like that. Also, also. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, she had um, they moved to Orlando, I believe. And she had a child and everything. And she happened to be working somewhere that some domestic violence case, like a guy came and shot the girl and she happened to be there. Oh no. So it wasn't wasn't her dealing with No, it was yeah, exactly. It wasn't her. She was just an innocent bystander. And um, you know, one of those bullets caught up caught caught up to her. So she was giving her time to help the women that've gone through something. That's right. You know domestic violence and all that and then that happened yes wow. yes you, you, you want to give her full name vanessa yeah yeah i am vanessa orellanes um so that family pretty much even after i left the system right mm-hmm. they we stayed in touch um miss irma you know i was there when she passed away and everything they kind of like always we always touch base with each other and they're like so see you know how are you (laughs) are you okay and even though it's not like a i'm on the phone with you all the time type Mm -hmm. of contact they always kind of keep me present especially when vanessa went through that situation and knowing that when i do the domestic violence march they're like, we're so happy that you do it in her honor because regardless of whether the situation was happening with her directly, you know, mm-hmm. domestic violence is something, it's a whole different, that's a whole different episode. Yeah, um, yeah. And, um, you know, at least someone from our group, from our clique is trying to make sure that the their voice is heard. And that's what, I, that's, that's what we should do. Those voices need to be heard. And anyone listening that's a victim of the best violence advocate by all means reach out now she was she a person that if at certain points in time this would kind of creep up on you would she be one of those people you would go to to speak on to speak with yes and just you know how in AA somebody would have a sponsor she was your you know she was yours she was my my support and 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 I was her support too because you know um sometimes one thing that could be my strength 
may be um, your weakness. So, you know, we helped each other out like that. So I was really devastated when, when that happened to her. And I'm, I'm glad that she was your support and, you know, God, God bless her and her family. And it just, I want that to show for people that not that many can go through it alone. And, you know, I'm glad you're in a testament to that because people don't know that, you know, you could reach out to somebody. This isn't a, this isn't something negative against you or it doesn't make you weak. If you can go to somebody, even if, even if it's a hotline, even if it's something that you can, someone you can call, please do. Don't think you can do this on your own. Um, and that's. And right now, right now there, there are, I mean, with technology and with the times that we're living, there is, there is plenty of resources. There's the hope line. There are so many different ways that you can get assistance. Um, even if you're in an abusive situation with, you know, living with your abuser, there's, there's places to go. There's shelters. There's so many resources that even there's a lot of women that don't know about these things. Yep. And, and I have always said, if anyone needs help with reporting sexual abuse or any type of thing, like I will hold your hand, I'll go with you to, to get it reported because That's it's right. something that needs to be said so that you don't carry this with you for the rest of your life. That's right. And everybody out there, you have a phone in your hands. You're probably listening to this on a phone. That's right. You can, you Google is your friend, regardless with good times or bad, you can research this. You can see your options. You can see what is available to help you. Don't please get over that hump to discover and educate yourself on how you can help yourself or someone else in a bad situation. Um, as you got older, was seeking therapy an option for you? Or what helped you, what helped or, or may have been roadblocks, but you did, you did touch on therapy and you didn't, seek it but back then therapy wasn't really an option to most right um and you know there's always been like a stigma to therapy uh, yeah, yeah. And especially with dominicans it's almost like if you're if you go to therapy you're weak in the latin, <laughs> in, in, in the latin culture generally or even the minority culture it's whatever it's and it's just so sad that we're just catching up to it now knowing that it, it's not a weakness but by all means, please ex expand. Right. So because um, after this this whole fiasco, like I said before, fast forward to um, me being officially 14 years old and, and falling in love with my, my son's father. Mm -hmm. um, we're living in New York. Um, I'm 14. He is over age. <laughs> so, you're, so you're able to travel or you yeah. just. Okay. Yeah. I could travel because at this point I'm emancipated. Right. So I'm no longer under my mother's, you know, parental guide or whatever. So I'm here in New York. And, and the one thing that he, he makes very clear to me is like, you know, the fact that you're 14, I could go to jail. So you cannot tell anybody. Yeah. So um, being that I have always been very physically developed, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was easy to say, you know, I'm 17 or I'm 20. Right. Um, but that then hindered certain things that I should have been doing. Like I should have been in high school at that point. Right. Um, 
I also, if I wanted to get any kind of, um, you know, psychological therapy, I wouldn't be able to because now the therapist will be forced to report to the state of New York right. that I am living with an older adult yeah. and it's illegal. Yeah. So, um, the fact that I should have been in high school, couldn't be in high school. Um, I wanted to work. I couldn't work because of my age. Um, and I was also learning how to kind of survive in an environment that was completely strange and new to me. And that was, this was, I guess, in the 80s or the 90s? 90s. 90s. And yeah, that's, to put that error on top of you moving here and being from another country. Right. So when I came here, we, there was no, so we had beepers. All right. <laughs> you remember the beepers you would oh, call in. Yeah. And, all right. So, <laughs> so that's, that's pretty much what, what we had to deal with. I had, um, management of the English language because in Puerto Rico, they teach you English. But when I got here, it was like, I was thrown in a Irish and an Italian neighborhood where there wasn't one soul that spoke any Spanish at all. Now this was in New York city or this or was in Yonkers. Yonkers. Okay. okay. So basically you threw me to the wolves and I'm still trying to survive. Mind you, while all of this is happening, I'm having a relationship. I'm learning also how to be a wife to somebody. Right. So this is when I really start dealing with the sexual trauma. Cause he's, and and he was and he was at that time good to you oh he was yeah. great he was great to me um but you know it was frustrating um because i wanted to have sex because this is a person that i was in love with i right. wanted to i wanted to be physical with him i wanted to be normal but there was something about when, when we got to it, that I would start crying. Like I couldn't disassociate the sexual act from a loving point of view. Right. And then the sexual act from an attacking point of view. Right. So he actually was very patient with me. He was like, you know, I'm not going to hurt you. You don't have to do anything you don't want to. And, and let me tell you, that was like very important for me to have at that point very fortunate very fortunate because a lot of people even in the past even now they're not very understanding of what someone goes through because they've never been through that so why would they not care but they never make that connection right so i mean i respect that man for you know for everything that he that he did and how he handled the situation because he was like you know so see that this there's another side of the coin. Not every man is going to hurt you. I love you. I want to do this with you, but I want to do this with you when you're ready. Very commendable. Very. So he waited, you know, and, and it was a, like a trial and error sort of thing. And there was an attempt and then I would start crying and he'd be like, no, you know, it's not time yet. And this was like our own way of doing therapy because I couldn't legally go right. to to get um, therapy for the trauma. But then eventually, you know, as um, I think as I got closer to 15 years old, it was like, okay, I'm feeling more like a woman now. I feel like I know that you're not gonna hurt me and and I can kind of take it from here. But that's more, but more importantly, is that there was trust. 
Yes. And you knew he understood. And you knew that, you know what, this person is, you know, the best person at that time to hold your hand and that you can have a go towards a normal relationship. Right. People understand that it's a process. So to say from beginning to um, when everything was not in a sense cool, but when you guys got to it, it was how long would that say? you felt comfortable enough with him? Did that take months, years? I would say that took like a year and a half. Yeah. Okay. Because we could have um, a successful episode and then the next time I would be like freaked out. So it took, I would say it took like a solid year and a half of trial and error mm -hmm. in order for me to be like, okay, I'm finally over this. I can, I can now kind of like dive into my sexuality as a woman. Right. Because I didn't have time to do or focus on any of that before. Right. My focus on was on survival mode. Right. So now it's like, okay, I'm going to be somebody's wife and I need to deliver. But he, and that, people might, because <laughs> people might take that the wrong way. And, <laughs> and I, I completely get it, but it's the, the you know, you, you built, I like it because you built your strength off of his compassion for right. you, off of his love for you, off of his understanding for you. And if you never would have had that, then it might have been a shit show. Exactly. You know, so it's guys understand what another person goes through. And ladies, if it's the side, if the coin is flipped over, it's that understanding, that love. He, and you see, you hear it now that it gets people to be comfortable in their own skin. And that's important for somebody who goes through sexual trauma because the trust is, can be shattered for other people. And especially when it gets to intimacy. Absolutely. Then how, how long were you? In a, how long did that relationship go for? We were together for almost six years. I mean, there were other things that kind of started to get in the way, but never the sexual part. Like once I got over that, it was like 4th of July. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it was almost like I was celebrating the fact that I overcame the BS mm -hmm. from the sexual abuse. I mean, I read some books. Uh -huh. I read this book called The um, Sexually Irresistible Woman. Right. Like, I I mean, and, and I can't even tell you specifically what I learned from there, but I was like a beast after but the, that. But the, <laughs> so, whole, the whole point of you, him being, a, you being able to accept each other, him, you being with a man, and then him being with someone who was hurt, and then you guys are able to get past that. That that's that's that can only strengthen each other. Yes, exactly. other stuff other stuff happens. And no, but the fact yeah. that I could be with with a man that I now trust that it's not gonna hurt me. Right, exactly. Because now I know he's not gonna hurt me for a fact. Yeah. So I can now be free. I can go and not feel limited. Right. 
So or do something that you have to because you think it's an obligation. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Now you said you confided before, but if you confide in a friend, well, if you confide in a friend or significant other, what would you tell someone listening? If someone, if someone, you know, needs to, you know, they need the support of someone sharing such a heavy part of themselves. So if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking about sharing it with somebody, what, what would you be your advice to them to, to take that leap to confide in somebody? Well, um, I've never been a fan of, of keeping anything buried within yourself. Um, and if you are considering talking to someone, just, you know, try to reach out to someone that you know is going to be, uh, receptive and give you like the better advice. Don't choose your ratchet friend who's going to go <laughs> and fight somebody. Choose the friend that it's going to analyze the situation and give you the best advice, advice possible, because this is not something light. Um, this is something that's life changing mm -hmm. that whatever decision you actually make right now, it's going to kind of mark you forever. So I wouldn't choose the, the person who's, you know, more, um, you know, how can I say like explosive, right. you need, you need the calmer friend, the one that's gonna say, okay, this is the strategy. This is what we can do to get you out of where you are. This is how you can continue to keep your job while we get you out of the situation. Um, this is the therapy resources that you have. Um, and this is how we're gonna handle it, um, you know, police-wise, if that is even necessary. Sometimes it's just important to get out of the situation. Right. But if, if it's something that needs to be reported to the authorities, then, there's a particular friend that you know is gonna have the wisdom to hold your hand and and take you through that. They're not gonna do it for you, but they're gonna be able to give you the best advice possible. So that is something to that's very important. Don't share your story with just anybody. There's some people that might make you feel like you're guilty or you know a number of different things because they don't have the understanding or the knowledge to even be able to judge where you're coming from. So that's something to be careful about. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Identify your reasonable friends, your ones with those common sense skills. You know, they, they, they're very handy people. Right. <laughs> I like, I have friends that if I have to fight somebody, I know who I'm calling. Oh yeah, well, they got the blade <laughs> and then in the I first, got, yeah. <laughs> and then I got friends that if I'm signing a contract, that's who I'm calling. So it's different. Well, we uh, we may have touched on this before, but I mean, other than the the singing and and your love for God, of different points of your life after it happened, I guess maybe before that, um, can you identify the different methods or actions you've developed to stay strong? I mean, the, there could be little things because the, the little things can mount up. So if somebody has a mantra, somebody has you know, even going for a walk or whatever, whatever you've done in that time that can accumulate to something that can make you more 
conscious and aware and be in a place in that moment, you know, what were the certain things that you've done for yourself that would help you stay grounded? Okay. So one thing that even from the whole, from the beginning of this whole um, process, um, I have never accepted the fact, and I heard this word so many times repeated when everything was happening that I kind of started to hate it. Mm. So I hated the word victim. Right. And I'm like, I refuse. So yeah, like I hated the word victim because to me it was like, I always, I was like, I'm not me. That doesn't, that's not a label that I'm willing to accept for Solcire. Right. So whenever I saw other quote unquote victims of abuse. And I saw that this was like something that they allowed to control their lives or rule their lives, or, you know, I can't do this because I was a victim of this. That was like a trigger for me because I was like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be that. Right. So I kind of wired my brain to not, I'm not a victim. I'm a survivor. So I don't accept the fact that, you know, because I was raped, whatever, because I was raped, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use my struggle and the pain of my struggle to push me to do better, to push me to move forward. And I will try whatever idea, whatever business, whatever I want to do, I will try it and I will work hard and push it with the mentality that I'm not a loser. Right. I am not somebody who's marked by this sexual abuse. Right. That is something that happened. And like I always say, this gives me like gasoline to continue to move forward because I have to be successful because I have to be different right. because I'm gonna, I'm not gonna let something that happened to me when I was a child define the rest of my life. You're right. We always we always get to that point where, and I tell you, you know, I, I I'll be honest, you know, you feel like even though it's something that happened to you, you're the one that feels like a sack of shit. You're the one that feels like that at a certain point. But as we both discovered, we grow out of that. You get sick of that. You get angry. Then you, if you're and I would tell people, be an introspective person. Because once you start doing that, then you can realize, oh, fuck that. You know, I'm, I'm, I took the same position. Like, I'm not a fucking victim. No. You, I'm, 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 you know, you're better, in it, you're better than that. And to some people, it takes a while just to get there. And it's very tough. I think that I didn't really have a choice. A lot of, and you're exactly right. A lot of us don't because, you know, we don't have the the proper support system. We don't have somebody dragging us to therapy to make us realize that we got to be fucked that we are on our two feet. I got to put one foot in front of the other because there's nothing else that is an option that I can explore to make me stop feeling this pain. So basically the reason that I say it wasn't an option, like, you know, 
I had, um, my son was nine months old when I separated from his dad. So I, I, at this point, I'm, I'm a young woman with trauma, with a job and a single mom. Mm. So I, I had, nervous. there you go. Yeah. So I, I didn't have a choice mm -hmm. of like giving up or being like, you know, I'm going to be depressed for a week. I'm not going to come outside. I'm not going to. That wasn't an option. Right. I didn't have mommy and daddy or, oh, you know, I don't, I can't afford to pay my rent. Let me just go live with my aunt. I had nobody. I had sourcing So the, the, the option of me being a victim was never on the table, right. which, which brings me to like a lot of things that I see in myself right now. When I, when women come to me, complaining about whatever situation they might have going on i'm like stop with the victim mentality this is not gonna help you get anywhere right. the the fact that you take when you take whatever caused you pain and whatever brought you to the, that situation if you take that and you convert it into fuel and motivation to do mm -hmm. better to show your kids that it doesn't matter what struggle you go through you're still able to come above it, rise above it. Right. But not even, not even hide your scars. You walk with your scars. You let everybody see your scars, but you know that, hey, don't fuck with me because you're gonna get a scar too. Pretty <laughs> not much. In a good way. Um, and that that kind of um, is in, I'm I'm interested to understand your mother mindset in all of this because me as a dad especially of three boys i'm when it comes to them and being protective you can ask my i'm you can ask my wife i'm 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 a fucking psycho <laughs> if i if i sniff anything wrong i don't care who you are where you are where we are it's all bets are off so as but that's that's a dad's point of view with that sort of trauma a mother's point of view in the time you're in what is what does that feel like you're you're a mom you're a single mom you have a child and then there's always that worry you don't want this to be a generational trauma exactly so what, what what was your thought your mindset on that okay so before we we actually get to really answer your question there's mm -hmm. there's a number of things that happen when you're sexually abused um you feel dirty mm -hmm. so normally you will be the person that takes the longest in the shower you'll be the because that's just you feel dirty because of what happened to you so you you tend to be overly overly hygienic overly mm -hmm. everything right um for women at least there is um you lose all respect for authority especially for men because now i respected an authority who disrespected me so now i don't you have to earn that respect so that affects like relationships and a whole bunch of different things mm -hmm. um and with kids that is where the shit hits the fan Big time. because I only have my, my son, but I was always like 
trying to, as soon as he had, I knew that he had some sort of understanding that, you know, what his private parts were. I was telling him, like, if somebody touches you, that, like, you have to tell me, like, that's not right. You don't. And, and, and this might sound a little psycho, <laughs> but I'm like, I don't want nobody to touch my kid. Absolutely. So, there's um, no, there's nothing psycho about that at all. And I have, I have like 10 God kids. Cause I love children. I'm very overprotective of them. And that's one thing with the girls. I don't, I don't leave, yeah. leave them unattended. It, I don't trust anybody because it could be your brother. It could be my brother. It, you know, you never know where the devil is peeping. I don't know what the, the, the ratio is, but it's always mine's. It was a family member. And I don't even know what the percentage is. It's like, but when you hear it, it's always someone close. It's someone that you least suspected. Right. So to me, it's like there is no sure way that we could, there's no formula that we could have to protect our kids. And especially for people that have girls, I feel bad for them. Because there is so many different things. Like when they start to develop, you know, Rust and they start growing and and their booty get you know it, it's so many things that to a sick mind might be attractive yeah they, and they, they might see children as an option like, what are you doing exactly and and that scares me a lot yeah. because as times go by um we have more access to pornography we have more access to technology mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people like we were discussing before we even did this interview that they get off on like certain things, you know, the traumas and somebody's story. Yeah. And they, somebody wants to share. Like, oh, what happened? Yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more. Like, oh, you sick fuck. You, you, you eventually see that. Exactly. So, I mean, with children, I feel like we need to be extremely careful because not only are the children going to have to deal with the traumas that, that they're inheriting from us, as parents, you know, as the way that we were raised, right. but now to add, you know, a, a rape or, or, or bullying or anything like that to, to their plate yeah. is going to put them in a position where they might not be able to thrive. Like we have. Exactly. Uh, I, I, I don't know. For me, it's, um, I don't, I don't know how I got here. Basically. I, I always feel like maybe God kept his hand on my shoulder and was like, okay, move a little this way, move a little that way. And you know, we'll, 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 we'll get you there. Whether you think I did something or not. So just, it just feels weird. Um, but yeah, whatever. Um, dealing with such a trauma, do you feel as I do that it fundamentally, it fundamentally changed you. And I know you touched on that, but that it fundamentally changed you as a person that, you don't think you'll be the same as if it didn't happen. And I feel that, and to expand on that, it's like, I feel that a lot. I've, I've had my, my many intimate conversations with my wife and, you know, tell her, you know, with tears in my eyes, like, you know, I don't know who I would have been if, and I can't find that out. I can't figure that out of who I would have been if, this, you know, didn't happen to me. 
Like, would I have been a completely different person? Would I have been this, you know, huge freaking asshole? Or, you know, maybe I would have been an even better person. I mean, I don't know. I don't know because I will never know because of what happened to me and the path that had led me down. And she, she was, she was honest. She was, you know, from her heart, she was, she basically said, honestly, it could have been to the point of, and I, I can't, and babe, I'm sorry if I don't remember word for word, but she, in a sense, was basically saying, I'm glad you went through it because not in a bad way, but because of the pool, the person you are now, the husband you are, the friend that I am to those that are still around and to the father I am to my kids. But then it's always eating at me. Like, shit, who would I have been if this wouldn't have happened? And, you know, what life would have would have led? It, it just, it, it always, it's, it's just an itch in the back of my head. So I don't know. Do you, do you experience the same thing? I actually, and, and whenever I kind of disclose to, to someone that has known me for a long time that is telling me how great I am and how, you know, <laughs> oh my God, you, you changed my life and this and that. And I'm like, you know what? I was raped. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, to me as like, if I wouldn't have experienced that, I probably would have been a prissy little princess, mm -hmm. um, not humble at all. Um, probably spending my mother's money, singing. Not, I wouldn't be the kind of human being that I am today. Because this, like, okay, I've, I have always been humble, but this kind of made me, like, I lost everything because of this. I had to start from zero. I had to learn how to be a woman at 14 years old. Mm. So I can, I can take a young woman right now, a single mom, and tell her, this is what you have to do. And I could now guide her because of my knowledge. And you're, you're going to guide so many now. Exactly. So because of everything that I had to experience and had to experience it on my own and all the, the things that I had to learn quickly, just because I was raped. You know what I'm saying? Like that one thing led to me obtaining all this experience at a like record time and that I can now kind of inject into someone that doesn't have to experience or wait as many years to grow from that. Right. Because I can tell you, I would not have been as compassionate as I am today. Right. And I am compassionate, but at the same time, I'm not going to let you sit here and start crying and start dwelling on your pain. If you need that type of friend, I'm not your friend. I'm the friend that's going to say, okay, it hurts. Let's move forward. What can we do about this? How can we turn this into a positive? Right. Because if you sit there focusing on the negative, we ain't never going to go nowhere. And we are not going to pull anything out of it that's going to um, kind of help other people and or help you. So. Let's analyze the situation and gather ourselves and then see how we're going to approach it. Because I am not about to allow you to sit there and cry and be depressed mm -hmm. and be a victim. 
Yeah. That's just not acceptable to me as a person. It just isn't. And then people really need to realize that once you start moving forward, you will see all this. People that even even at a certain point of time, like I would think where no, it should happen. If I want to be better, something should happen. But it's not that something should happen for you to get better. It's what you need to make happen for you to get better. Because even a lot of people, and this is not to knock people, but everyone has their own problems. Everyone has their own situations. And not many are going to be sympathetic. And if Honestly, even if they're blood to you, sometimes they don't even have to be. They're not, even if they are, they're not going to give a shit about you and be like, look, I got my own problems. Whatever you got going on, when you're ready to get on your feet and keep moving, then let's go. And that's my goal. It's people need to realize that, you know what, you got to, when you're ready, because remember, a lot of people, they're ready at different times. Like I wasn't ready until, you know, until now, because I've, I've gone through this struggle and people that I've been with, they didn't understand. They never understood. They didn't know how to deal with this. And even then, maybe they were dealing with other different trauma that it's, you can't have, it would be a competition. Who's hurting the more, who's hurting the most. And that, that is never any good for any type of relationship. Of course. So, and it was weird. Like, um, the story that we were discussing, and, and I would, I would, you know, without hesitation, or, you know, bring it up if somebody would ask, but when we discussed it, and I was, you know, doing my side gig, and I'm delivering to the building where my trauma happened. And before, I would be, I would get upset. I would get moody. I would get angry and all sorts of emotions all over the place. I don't, I don't know. And what, like I said, I don't know what happened that none of that washed over. None of that. What washed all over me was an understanding, a realization. Um, maybe I thought about it enough, not out of sadness and anger, but out of trying to understand why am I stuck in these emotions, which is weird because that was actually, you know, the birth of, you know, the podcast and understanding like shit. Why, why is now different than in all the other years of me thinking of this sometimes on a daily basis? Why the fuck am I not going through my emotional roller coaster? And maybe I just got strong enough. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm still trying to unpack that. So yeah, I mean that's that's why we're here. I mean, I, I, I understand with with that situation, and I never want to take away because a lot of people handle it differently. Absolutely. So I never want to take away, like if this is the level of importance that you give it, like I, I will be your friend and I will support you. But the, my, my taking on this is 
why are we sitting here allowing a person that violated you when they shouldn't have? Why are we allowing them to have any power over your today? That's right. That realization needs to be there. And once a person, I feel, and you're right, once a person realizes that, hopefully a bell rings in the head like, fuck that. Why? Because now here you are, you're a successful father of three, you own a beautiful home, you have a beautiful wife, you have a great career. Why are we letting this BS rain on our parade? Exactly. Why are we giving it the power? Because I always tell people, just think about the like the bad things. Like, okay, if you died today, would you want like to be tomorrow in heaven, quote unquote, mm -hmm. looking down like, oh, I could have been enjoying my time with my family instead of letting this bad thing chase me or pursue me or whatever or or ruin me. So I feel like the negative thing and the the things and the painful things, we need to stop them in its tracks. That's right. And because we can't allow them to be in our everyday because then it's like you're pretty much wasting your life allowing, you're giving center stage to the pain. And I'm just not for it. That's right. And guys, uh, therapy is an option. Therapy helps. And please, you know, it's understand that it is an option. Now, have you had to recover from a negative aspect that this trauma drove you to, such as a bad habit, addiction, whatever? And have you broken from that and how? What was the driving force that helped you be strong to break from it? Um... I think, I mean, I wouldn't say an addiction or anything like that, but the one thing that I can say it's been the toughest to deal with is the fact that I don't respect men a whole lot. <laughs> Watch your stuff, guys. So um, <clears throat> I just um, feel like if, if a, a, a male individual... <laughs> <laughs> If a man wants to um, have a special place in my life or earn my respect, he has to definitely work for it. Because the way I see them face value is like, you ain't shit. And you ain't shit because of everything that I've seen. Because after the, the, the rape happened, you know, situations have arise, uh, you know, happened with people that I've dated or whatever people let you down so i'm not saying that everybody's the same but now i have a a, a, a compilation mm -hmm. of experiences mm -hmm. that lead to believe that niggas ain't shit <laughs> <laughs> no and i don't and i'm not using the n-word in a derogatory manner i'm just saying yes so well, the hood came out I understand. the hood came out it is what it is but um to me is like in order for me to legitimately fall in love or something like that, he's got to prove himself. So, so if the dude right now walks in the door nighttime, but the light is shining behind his back, he has like doves that he just throws in the air. 
I'm sitting here, what the fuck? And he's like, yeah, I'm the man of your dreams. You're just going to look at him and be like, well, you ain't shit. I'm going to be like, you you need to show me. Because <laughs> cause all the, the this you know the special effects you got going on, I dig it. <laughs> but no, you need to show me with actions. Because it's very easy for anyone to be like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to be like that. I'm, you know, I'm going to treat you right. You know, you're my queen, this and that. But at the end of the day, what matters is what actually happens. That's right. And I know that I'm, I know that because of all the drama and all the trauma that I've been through, that I'm an excellent woman and I know exactly what I bring to the table. So I might choose to put up with some bullshit sometimes, Mm -hmm. but ultimately I know what I deserve. And so if they ain't bringing it, you know, I'm buying it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, with your son, have you shared this with him and, or will you eventually? And if so, whether you do or do not, will you think it would help or hurt your relationship? Or do you see it, do you see it helping or hurting the relationship? Well, I, I, have you theorized about it if you haven't approached them and told him about this? Okay, so um, my son has ADHD. So I don't feel like it's going to make him better in any way. Okay. It's something that perhaps like when he's like 30 or something, I, I could share with him. But right now I feel like it's going to be a burden to him because he's going to feel bad for his mom. Okay. And one thing about us, I mean, most of us, if I can generalize, I don't like for anybody to feel bad for me. I don't want anybody to feel like I'm a victim because I am not. Well, that could be that could be uh, with with your circumstances. It's 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 different, yes. But if things were in a different space, I think that would be people's first reaction, because of course it's not something that they can relate to. Because if you would you would tell me, uh, "Fuck that," you know, we'll have this huge discussion. We're having the discussion right now. It's a different viewpoint. But if it's to someone who has zero clue of how that is, then I think that would be their first reaction. But we would be the type of people to be like, yeah, move away from the sadness, move away from, you know, you don't got to feel sorry for me. You know, I'm not telling I'm not telling you this in tears. You know, I'm telling you this because, look, we need to have an understanding and you need to, you, this is not something I should be sharing with you on my deathbed. Like you're an adult, I'm an adult, we can discuss things, you know, hopefully a lot of people can develop that with their children or family members and, you know, but that, that's good that you're taking that approach and you realize that a lot of people would just leave that on the table and be like, I mean, it's, it's common for people to even share certain traumas with their kids. Oh, you know, your father did this to me or your mother did this to me. And, and. I, I believe in protecting children as much as we can from the drama. Right. Because we had an opportunity to grow up without social media, without, you know, people talking about us or whatever. So we need to kind of try to keep them whole. Yeah. And the more we taint them with this type of situations, it's like we're giving them something else to think about when their brain is already like overly stimulated right. with things that they shouldn't be. So 
I'm not I'm not saying that my kid shouldn't know that his mom was a victim of sexual abuse. I'm saying that it doesn't help my kid in any way right now right. to know that information. Right. So we I want to be seen um in my son's eyes. Like my mother is strong. My mother did what she had to do for me. My mother gave me what I needed. My mother talked to me nicely. My mother treated me good. My mother was good. Not my mother was a victim. My mother was messed up because of this. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's a whole, it's a, it's a different perspective. And it, like I said, it, I'm not against telling them. I'm just like, you know, right now it won't help him in any way to let him know. Yeah, you'll pick the right time. And so with generally, I feel like kids, you know your kids and you know how they will handle certain things. Right. So these kids right now, there's a reason that Instagram only gives you 15 seconds. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, they can't really digest a whole lot. Yeah. So we have to try to shield them as much as possible because we don't know what's coming. And um, and they they deserve to have as much free of a free atmosphere and free time to be kids. Yeah, that that's that's very very important, and that's what I want for my kids. And I completely agree with that because it's it's tough, especially. Growing up in the time that we did and in the places that we did, it's hard for a kid to be a kid when all you're being taught is to grow the fuck up. And, you know, life is coming at you and it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy. And then compound that with any type of trauma you, you've gone through. God forbid you've been bullied. And it's just one thing on top of another on top of another. And then people are so dismissive and they just say, what the fuck is wrong with you? Well, get to understand me and get to know me and you'll know what the fuck is wrong with me. But lately nobody's making the time to get to know anybody. Nope. Nope. And if it's not about them, then why are they, we going to make this about you? And people don't get that. It's a give and take. It's a give and take. And if, you meet enough people. If you put yourself out there, you can meet that person that you can have that give and take with. And I wish more people had that with other people because bouncing things back and forth and being trusting in someone with someone, it helps a person deal with their emotions. It helps a person realize things. It helps a person make sense of it all. If not, at least put them on the path to make sense of it all and find the tools that you can to help you make sense of it all and find the right tools to make you stronger. And I, I, I hope we're helping people with that. I, I, I know for a fact that there's <laughs> definitely people that I have kind of drilled. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like I told you, I, I don't accept weakness. Mm. And I know that we have our moments. And I know that it's it's only human for us to go through them. But I don't feel like our weak moments should be permanent. We should not let the weakness move in. 
it should like knock on the door. Maybe you're going to open up a little bit and tap with it for a little bit, but you're not going to let it in because we need to continue to move forward. We have yep. to raise our kids. We have to study. We have to become professionals. We have to do so much better for everyone else. So we're not supposed to let the weakness in and have a drink with it on the couch and like get comfortable. No. Yeah. Cause that that's, that's tantamount to suppressing what you've been through. And that leads people to bottle it up. It's like, don't, don't bottle it up. You know, it's just only going to come back stronger and just pop right in your face at the wrong time, at the wrong person in the wrong situation. Right. It's the same thing with overthinking. Like, you know, some people overanalyze. I don't overanalyze anything. I know what happened to me. I understand it. It wasn't my fault. I'm beautiful. I'm a good, I'm a great woman. I'm a great catch. It is what it is. I'm not letting this thing, you know, ruin the rest of me. Yeah. It ruined a part of me. It's not going to ruin the rest of me. So that's the mentality. That's what kept me strong. That's what keeps me from being a victim. Right. And that's why I can stand in front of a bunch of women and say, this is bullshit, this behavior you guys want to take on. You got to keep it moving. You got to move forward. You got to study. You got to be better women. You got to be an attempt for your kids. You have to move better and be and work harder. I feel you're absolutely right because I feel that overanalyzation can lead to paralyzation or being paralyzed. It just you can't move. You're thinking too much. You can you can you can walk and talk at the same time. You can walk your grief out. You can just get past it and be stronger for it while you're leaving the weakness behind you because you were able to express it and it's one thing to stay in your weakness no fuck that get up speak your weakness move from it and move towards your strength now have you confronted the person and if so has it helped you with the reconciliation within yourself and has it made you stronger or have you regretted it? Oh, that's, that is actually, see, now I have to talk God, you know, because. <laughs> speak on it, speak on because, it. Because um, for a bunch of years, like I, I've never been a person to hold grudges or be like, you know, hateful or whatever. Mm -hmm. So even though whatever happened, happened, like I never hated this person or, you know, like it is what it is. It's something that happened. I never like kind of gave it too much burn, but, um, you know, like seven months ago I accepted Jesus. So my faith now changed. And one thing that, um, the Lord says, and you know, is that you need to forgive everyone that has hurt you, even if it wasn't your fault. Mm -hmm. So even if you were the one that offended me, Jesus says that I need to ask you to forgive me so that I could squash that mm -hmm. so that I could be good with him, <laughs> which I was not in agreement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say I was not in agreement at first, Yeah, but you know, it was like, this is the gospel of Jesus, da, 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 whatever. So it took me a little while, 
because I was like, this is the, this person actually hurt me. So I don't see how God wants me to ask him for forgiveness. So it took me like almost a month. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, when it comes to faith, like I'm very obedient and I'm very like on the money, but this was something that was eating at me because I'm like, no, I got to double check with God because (laughs) I I know that for me, I'm, I, I'm not there yet. Cause I'll be like, God, I love you, but fuck. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so this person, um, I said, you know what? I, I have to do it because at one point, like my pastor was preaching and he was saying somebody that has a sexual trauma, you need to forgive because otherwise the God, you know, like he's talking to me. <laughs> For real today, please. What? And I was like, okay, so this was like the second time that somebody mentioned that and somebody random, like they don't even know that they're talking to me, but they're talking to me. Right. So it's it's really weird. Um, so I said, you know what? I'm gonna um reach out to this person. So I had the phone number for like over a week. Mm-hmm. I kept staring at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one day I was like, you know what, I- I'm just gonna get it done with because it was like something that was hanging over my head. Mm-hmm. So I got home. I actually texted him before I got home. And I said, this is Sorcide. I would like to call you. Let me know if I can call you. So he responded and he was like, yes, you can call me, whatever, whatever. So I was like, I'm going to be home in five minutes. As soon as I park and I go in, I'm, I'm going to call you. So I call him on the camera. Because I was like, yeah, I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm I'm going to go all in (laughs) (laughs) because I have to face my attacker for the first time in 23 years. And he's in DR. Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. So I FaceTimed him and I thought that I was going to crumble. I thought that I was going to be a piece of crap like you know but i had prayed so hard on it that god gave me the strength to actually get through with the conversation and not melt down right so i told them literally like um i wanted to let you know that i don't hold any grudges that i have never hated you and um, I wanted to ask you to forgive me if I offended you. I did say that. <laughs> wow, really? And um, and I want to let you know also that I forgive you, you know, for whatever happened. Right. We didn't get into, like, details or anything. Of course, so yeah. I just said that. And then he tells me, I actually have been looking forward to this call because ever since I went to jail, I have been looking for you and sending you letters asking you for forgiveness. You never received any touch. I did receive one. Okay. But that's when I was going through my getting to be able to have sex with my husband type thing. Oh, gotcha. So I didn't even read it. Okay. But I did know that he was trying to ask for, for forgiveness. So he said to me, I have been serving Jesus since that time. And now that you're also in the faith, now that you're also in the faith, you can understand 
that there's a lot of things that happen that it's not us. Those things are kind of like because of influences that we pick up and things like that. Right. And I said, look, you don't have to explain yourself. Okay. Um, I I forgive you. And like I said, I never had any animosity because I'm just not that person. Like you could hurt me right now. We I could get pissed off with you right now. I'll be mad for like 20 minutes. Mm. That's just never been me. So, you know, I spoke to him and he was like, you know, what are you doing and how's life and your kid and this and that. And we, we had a conversation like, like two neighbors that haven't seen each other in a long time. You weren't, you weren't on guard with any type of information you wanted to give to him. Like there was no point in that conversation where like, well, I'm not going to get into that. Don't ask me about this. Or it was just a regular conversation. No, it was really organic. And, and he kind of knew where I was coming from because this whole forgiveness thing is like a Christian. It's mm -hmm. common for Christians. Right. It wasn't common for me because I was like, I didn't do nothing to him, right. but whatever. Was he, very, <laughs> was he very careful in the stuff? Did you feel? Was he very careful in the stuff that he was asking you? You know, just keeping it. You know, no, I felt, I too. felt like, honestly, like he was, like, he was really, really sorry. Okay. Um, and I didn't feel like there was any type of a setup on his end. I felt like he was very open to receiving what I had to say. Right. And also like, it's has been so many years already that, um, he has, grown from the situation and he wanted to ask me for forgiveness before i even came around to it right. so it was something that i i appreciated the fact that he made it easy for me um i wasn't um like scared or intimidated or whatever and and even after this call happened like I hit him up, like how you doing? You know. But like when you hung up the phone, this wasn't like a like a complete like mind fuck, like this whole conversation. Like it was not. It, it was you know, hanging up the phone and you'd be like, <laughs> What the fuck? Who did what kind of conversation I just had with this person that, you know, basically changed everything in my life? Like what the fuck? Honestly, like I said, I I was not holding any grudges. Mm. So I was really forgiving him and calling him because it's something that that the lord asks us to kind of make peace right but within me i didn't feel like i had anything to settle because to me it wasn't nothing like i told you i'm not giving power mm -hmm. to something that i don't want to give power to but the moment being you know at the lack of a better word, just it was surreal. Before, during, I, and after, I didn't. I didn't even think that. I didn't even think that I was gonna be able to do this call the way yeah. I did it. Yeah. Without crying, without getting freaked out, yelling. I was so relaxed, and to me, this was divine intervention. Okay. Because to face your attacker. Yeah. After everything. It's like, whoa. Yeah. So I was talking to him chilling like nothing happened. Yeah. And and that only like kind of confirms to me 
that I didn't allow him or what he did to me to change me or to continue to hurt me. You already hurt me one time. Right. I'm not letting you hurt me going forward. Right. So this is what it is. Like I said, um, his father died two months ago. I texted him. I said, I'm sorry about your father. Like it's, it's not when you don't give something importance right. or you, you don't give it the power to hurt you. It doesn't hurt you. But it's like, just to make it clear, it's not, you get a random text and like, Hey, what do you have for lunch? No, we're not. No, no, we're not. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're not there yet. We're never going to get there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but I know for a fact, like I, he, he said to me, if I ever needed him for anything to hit him up. And I said, if you ever need me for anything, definitely hit me up. But within me, I was <laughs> like, uh, I don't know if, uh, <laughs> it's not gonna happen, but. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but, um, but it was a nice thing to say anyway. Yeah. Now people listening to this out of the many things that they can take from this. What is the main thing you want them that's going to help them strengthen themselves against the storm of any trauma that lurks in their head so that they can heal or get stronger? Okay. So th there are so many things, but um, number one for me is suicide is not an option. Never. Never. Um, we are here for a reason. God brought us to this planet for a reason. And even though the reason might not be grandiose, it might not be, you know, that you're going to change the world or you're going to come up with, you know, the cure for cancer. You're meant to come here to probably change somebody's life. You're meant to come here to probably have a child that's going to change somebody's life. So, you know, ending it or not making sense of your existence it's not the way to think. Whenever you're thinking that way, you're probably being attacked by forces of darkness, of, of the same sadness that comes from the tragedy. Right. So please try to seek God in those situations. Um, but the most important thing is to know that the pain and the tragedies don't define who you are. The tragedies are just there to mark you and probably teach you something so that you can pay it forward. Because there are people that are going to one day, it might be your kids, it might be the public, it might be someone else that might benefit from you having gone through that experience. Perhaps you need to go through it so that you can be a better person and you can realize something else that you were meant to do in this, in this lifetime. Um, but giving up is never, um, a choice. And, um, if you ever don't have any answers, you don't want to call anybody or whatever the case may be, open up your Bible and read it. I'm sure that you're going to find a word in there that's going to talk to your soul. There is many different things that you could think are going to fill the empty voids in your life, because this is something common when you're a victim of sexual abuse. You feel like nothing is enough. The alcohol isn't enough. The drugs aren't enough. The partying isn't enough. Nothing is enough to kind of make you happy. 
So the one thing that I could say is definitely seek the Lord, seek the word, um, and believe in you. Believe that you can do it, that you came to this world totally equipped with everything that you need to succeed and to come out of any bad experience that, you know, life kind of put in front of you. You're not a loser. You're not a victim. You're a winner and you're a warrior. And you got to move forward. And if you need help moving forward, we're here. That's very wise and strong words. Remember that, ladies and gentlemen, whether it's the Bible, the Quran, the Torah, whatever you believe in, whomever you believe in, seek, seek strength in things that give you strength. And so thank you very much for being my <laughs> guest. You're quite welcome. I, I, I feel like I kind of got <laughs> naked over here. I need, to, I need to put some clothes on right about now. <laughs> well, we have it on video that no, you didn't, but I know how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for another episode of FYI. I'm damaged. I'm damaged. <laughs> have a good one, guys. Peace and be blessed. Be blessed.